Hey guys, I'm Brian. Uh, I know some of you, and some of you I don't. So, yeah, I'm uh, preparing to be a missionary out in the Middle East. I haven't left uh, yet for the first time, uh, but I'm getting close. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, I do want to say from the outset that this the, patch, the passage today is about money, um, which is just a lovely topic for everybody I know. Um, money, woes and worries and blessings come in all shapes and sizes. Um, and I'm going to be encouraging you today to not worry about uh, your money, your possessions, um, and to give generously to the church. And I just uh, wanted to be upfront about that because um, I'm still a missionary raising support. Uh, and I know it's a possible application of the passage to give money to missions. And I didn't want you to think that I picked this passage so that you would give to me. Um, I just happened across this passage. Um, This is the week that I could come out. So um, that is what it is, right? Um, In order to get you into the the right state of mind going into this passage, I want to remind you of the setting. So I have to back up uh, to the beginning uh, of the chapter. So it's the beginning of chapter 12. Um, Jesus had just been eating at someone's house uh, in chapter 11, and he comes out. Um, and when he comes outside, verse 1 says, a crowd of many thousands had gathered. So if you could picture, um, many thousands is probably more than this small town, uh, more than even live in this small town. Um, and Jesus has been going around performing miracles and doing teachings. Uh, he's already fed the 5,000. Uh, he's been driving out demons. Uh, he even raised the girl from the dead already. Uh, So people are starting to hear about this guy, Jesus, and they're all crowding around to where he's going. Um, So much so that they're trampling one another, says verse uh, 1 in in chapter 12. So uh, these people are coming out and seeking Jesus. They're eager to get near him, uh, but they're eager eager not just to follow Jesus. They're eager eager to get some sort of miracle um, or maybe like a blessing for themselves. Uh, verse 1 also says that Jesus starts by speaking to his disciples. So there's a difference here. Uh, Right off the bat, you can see there's two different groups uh, in his audience, and we're going to be looking at uh, both of those groups in our passage today. Uh, There are the crowds. Uh, The crowds are who Jesus, later in this chapter, verse 56, he calls them hypocrites. Uh, They're people who are uh, chasing after him for their own personal gain. They're coming to get some sort of miracle. Um, They're trying to get something from him without any of the commitment of being a disciple. Uh, Then on the other hand, there are the disciples. Uh, In Luke, Luke uses the word disciples sometimes to mean the twelve that Jesus appointed to be his apostles. Uh, Other times he uses the word disciples to mean um, some larger number of disciples. of disciples, who, uh, uh, all of which are committed to following and supporting him. So like, some of them, the 12 live in close proximity to him, but there's uh, some larger number of disciples, uh, still vastly smaller than the crowd. Um, and it's a group that are not just there for quick gain. Uh, they're committed to going with Jesus wherever he goes and learning from him. Um, and I, 
adapting their lifestyle uh, to what Jesus, how Jesus says they should live. And so that's why I think it's interesting. Jesus starts his sermon uh, in, verse, in uh, chapter 12 by addressing his disciples, and his topic is eternal security. Jesus promised his disciples, this is all what um, Mitch uh, priest preached on last week, um, Jesus promises disciples, he promises them that they will be brought before people who have the power to kill them. But that they should not be afraid because even if they should be killed, they're building up true security uh, in eternal life. Um, so that's Jesus' topic, sort of his uh, um, starting point, eternal security. And then uh, while Jesus is in the middle of saying this stuff about eternal security, some guy from the crowd just butts in with his own issue. Teacher, tell my brother to, di- to divide the inheritance with me. So then our text today is a response to that guy in two parts. Each part is directed to a different one of the two audiences, uh, still on the topic of eternal security. Uh, but instead of talking about life and death, he's talking about eternal security in regards to wealth and money. So he adapts uh, his teaching to this guy. So Jesus is a pretty good teacher, right? So he knows what he's doing. Jesus, uh, here's, uh, here's what I think that these two things, uh, these two, this two-part response is about. Jesus wants his followers to know The one who gives generously to God's cause will not have to worry about anything in this life and will build up wealth for the next life. Again, Jesus wants his followers to know that the one who gives generously to God's cause will not have to worry about anything in this life and will build up wealth for the next life. Let's look at the first part. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus immediately interprets the man's complaint as a form of greed or uh, covetousness, I think the ESV says. I'm going to be um, going through this in the NIV, uh, so my words, my wording might be a little bit different than yours, uh, but um, I'll just let you know. Uh, so, teach, uh, so Jesus interprets this guy's uh, complaint as a form of greed. You don't know this guy's situation. Uh, We don't know whether he's being denied uh, something that is rightfully his. Uh, We don't know if he's maybe trying to squeeze uh, some extra cash out of his brother or other members of his family. Um, We don't know if he's getting a fair deal, a fair deal in regards to his inheritance. Um, The Bible, uh, the, the first five books of the Bible that govern, that have the laws for governing how Israel should live, They've got some guidelines for inheritance, and so this um, this guy should know what he's getting uh, by the law. There should be no uh, trouble at all. Um, but really, fair or not, it doesn't matter. To Jesus, it doesn't matter. Fairness is not the issue. Greed is the issue. Covetousness is the issue. After all, Whether this guy's getting what he's supposed to or not, he's alive, he's healthy, he's presumably he's able to work. Uh, I don't know about this guy's situation, but uh, he doesn't need his inheritance just to get by. And Jesus 
seeing the covetousness in this man's heart refuses to get involved. I want to repeat Jesus' words here from the end of verse 15 where he says, Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. This is your memory verse for today. It's like half a verse even. but uh, So I'm going to say it again. Uh, and you need to remember it for the rest of the sermon. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I'm going to make you say it with me now. So let's say it again together. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. This is Jesus' basic axiom of truth uh, for like the foundation of all the rest he's going to say that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions um, real quick I want to say where life does come from right uh, life that Jesus is talking about comes from believing in Jesus and his death and resurrection on the cross uh, death to pay for his sins Resurrection to defeat death so that we can live in eternity with him. And for the rest of this uh, sermon, I'm not going to talk about that type of life uh, because this is a sermon about money. And the Bible is very clear that we cannot buy eternal life with money. Um, so when we talk about uh, how to use our money, we're talking about a different uh, different form of blessing in eternity. Uh, those who get to eternal life are those who have believed in Jesus and then after we have arrived together at eternal life, uh, God has promised additional blessings based on what we've done on earth. Again, what we've done on earth doesn't get us to heaven or send us to hell. Um, Actually, what we've done on earth does send us to hell, right? But what Jesus did on earth uh, turns the tide for us if we believe in him. And that gets us to heaven. And then after that, that's when what we've done on earth uh, matters. So, life not consisting in an abundance of possessions, he goes on to tell a parable. Whenever Jesus speaks in parables, he's trying to say something about uh, what he says uh, in, uh, I believe it's back in Luke 8. Uh, he says, the secrets of the kingdom of God. So he's not just telling some sort of story to make a point about life. He's telling a story to make a point about the secrets of the kingdom of God. So this parable that he's about to tell uses an earthly situation to show an eternal truth. Let's read it. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barn and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
What shall I do? First thing he says, I have no place to store my crops. Is that true? Look at that parable. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. He does have some place to store his stuff. He's got some barns. What would you do if you were in this situation? God blesses you abundantly and abundantly. You have too many... You're you're a farmer in this situation. You have too many crops for what you can store for yourself. What would you do? This is what I'll do. He said, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I'll store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid out for many years. What do you think about what this man did? Okay, that's that's a question for you to answer me. So what do you think about what this guy did? He's being selfish. He's being selfish? Okay. Okay, yeah. Any any other thoughts about what this guy did? Well, it seems on the surface he's being practical. If you have a lot, you need the size to fit it. Yeah, some some, uh, measure of practicality, some measure of selfishness. Um, I say a lot of people would call this wise. Store up a lot of money and be financially secure uh, from whatever might happen. You know, there could be a famine that comes around and this guy's got food laid up. And there are Proverbs that confirm this. Proverbs uh, 10, 15. This is the first thing I thought of when I read this parable. I thought, aren't there Proverbs? that say it's nice to be rich. Proverbs 10.15 says, The wealth of the wise is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. There are other Proverbs in this vein as well. The Bible confirms that it is indeed nice to have money. Because when stuff happens to you, uh, you can pay for it. Uh, When stuff happens to you and you don't have money, it's really hard isn't it? I say that to you here uh, because I want you to know that with the, Bible's, the Bible's teaching on money is really complex. There's no straightforward truth that says money is bad or money is good or even having money is bad or having money is good. There's even an oft misquoted verse in 1 Timothy, right? Uh, money is the root of all evil. Is that what it says? No, it says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So even that often misquoted verse doesn't even say money is bad. It's not really about our money. It's about our attitude toward money. Um, And it's about how we use the money that matters to God. If we look again at the parable, uh, what seemed wise was in fact as you said, an act of greed, an act of selfishness. The man had barns already. He was a rich man. He had enough to store what he needed. He had enough to provide for himself. But in a plan, it was his plan to coast through life that caused him to tear down those barns and then build bigger ones. What was he going to do with his wealth? Well, ah, wealth. What was he going to do with his wealth? Yeah, he was gonna he was gonna use it for himself. 
Let's go back uh, to Proverbs for a moment. Uh, Proverbs 11. So right after the one we just read, Proverbs 11, 11.26 says, People curse the one who hoards grain. Sound familiar? People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. And actually I chose that proverb uh, as the third in three, pro- three proverbs that sound like that. I'll read those ones as well. Uh, 11.24 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And the next verse, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then Proverbs uh, 11.26, people curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. So in my quick scan of Proverbs 10 and 11, uh, and I looked at others, but two, two chapters really like does well for my point here. In my quick scan of Proverbs 10 and 11, Proverbs 10 has one voice, one verse that says it's nice to be rich. Um, And 11 has three verses that says, with your wealth, be generous and give away what you have. So according to worldly wisdom, perhaps this man is using his wealth okay, but according to God's wisdom... This man used his wealth wrong. I don't even want to say unwisely. According to God's wisdom, this man used his wealth wrong. And the parable continues. God said to him, You fool! This very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. In the parable, the man did not have even one day to enjoy the wealth that he built up so that he could live and enjoy life for many years. Remember Jesus' axiom from before that I had you memorize? Can you say it? Life does not consist of That's right. The target of the warning of the parable is anyone who stores up things for themselves without being rich toward God. Remember, a parable is meant to tell us the secrets of the kingdom of God. Uh, So Jesus isn't just using this parable to say, if you store up wealth, uh, God will kill you. (laughs) You won't get a chance to enjoy it. Because some people do. right? The Bible actually is full of uh, complaints. And like if you read the Psalms, complaints that the, the wicked person prospers, uh, complaints that the rich get richer. Um, so it doesn't happen this way. Jesus tells this parable. It doesn't always happen this way. Jesus tells this parable because there's something uh, strange about it, right? The guy dies the day he decides to store up the well. What he is in fact saying is that it's not that they are storing up abundance where it matters, in the eternal kingdom. These people in the crowd, right, he's addressing the crowd with this part. These people in the crowd who don't believe in Jesus, who commit idolatry by valuing things higher than God, have no life in the eternal kingdom at all. And so they're not concerned about preparing for it 
They're only concerned about storing up for this life. Therefore, that phrase, you can't take it with you, we've all heard, it's true. Or, or rather, as we'll see in a moment, it's true for anyone who is not rich toward God. About that phrase, phrase rich toward God, I suspect that each of you already has an idea uh, in your heart about what that means. Um, but we'll learn a little bit more about that uh, in the second half, uh, so I won't explain it just yet. This is how Jesus finishes up his interaction with the crowd. The crowd has a different eternity in store for, store for them than Jesus' other audience, his disciples. So Jesus, you remember he's already been comforting his disciples on the subject of eternal security. Goes on to comfort them about the security of their wealth in this life and the next based on how they use it. To his disciples he said, therefore, and pause, because God has their lives in his hands. Remember when you see the word therefore, you ask, what's it there for? Right? Therefore is there because he's talking about what came before. Because God has their lives in his hands, and because his disciples are, they are people who are rich toward God, therefore, do not worry. The audacity of Jesus to say, do not worry, right? How can he say, do not worry? He says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Uh, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Remember, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. When God has your life in his hands, there is no need to worry. Listen to Jesus' words. He provided an illustration so that I don't have to. Uh, he said, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? And fast forward a little. He says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon being um, the wealthiest, most extravagant king known in Israel's history. So um, somebody associated with wealth and riches and fine clothing. If that is how God clothes the, gra clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? I do have an illustration. Have, uh, did any of you have both kids and pets? Or is that too much? It's too much to handle. Uh, I, have a, I don't have any kids. Uh, I have a friend who has kids uh, and a dog. Um, and, you know, he's, he treats his family and his dog really well. He treats his kids. He uh, spends his money on them. He takes care of them. He takes them to the doctor. He blesses them with things that they don't need. Um, and you know what? To the dog, he, uh, he feeds it. 
he takes it to the vet. Uh, he's uh, installed a doggy door in the house, like all that good stuff. Um, recently, uh, the dog, I'm sorry to say, it was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and the only solution for the dog's cancer is an extremely expensive surgery, um, which is really sad, right? Uh, I talked to my friend about it. He talked to his after he talked to his family about it, um, and you know what their decision was, we're going to let it run its course for a little while, uh, and then we'll have it put down. Because it's a dog, and the dog's now worth spending multiple thousands of dollars for a surgery. Do you think that my friend, if one of his kids got cancer would for a second consider not treating it, no matter how much the cost is? Just think about how God feels toward you. You are more valuable than birds and flowers. God cares for his creation, but you, Christian, he has adopted as a son and daughter who cares about you and provides for your needs. God is a good father who likes to give good gifts to his children. He wouldn't for one second consider not providing for you, for even your most basic needs. I love this little bit that he adds, uh, that he puts in about adding time to your lifespan. Could we do that as an exercise? Like everybody right now, just try, try to add an hour uh, to your life. Can you do it? <laughs> Are you trying? The, the weird thing is, like, you wouldn't even know, right? If you came to the end of your life to say you're lucky enough to even have a deathbed, you'll, you'll not be able to look back at your life and say, well, I got an extra hour here, an extra day there, <laughs> by worrying about this and that. It's God who holds your life in his hands, not you. I do want to pause here for a moment because I realize that some people have real problems with with anxiety. Uh, and some of you are simply, like to some of you, say, simply saying do not worry uh, sounds like, I don't know if you've seen that one Bob Newhart sketch where he's a psychiatrist, right, and people come into his office um, and they reveal their problems and his advice to them is, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Right? And that might sound to you like what Jesus is saying here, right? If you have a serious problem with anxiety. If you have a big problem with anxiety like that, I urge you, please go see someone about it. Somebody professional, professional therapist, perhaps a Christian therapist who's equipped to give you tools to deal with your anxiety because the tools are out there and they do exist. I'm not equipped to help you in the way that a trained helper is. One thing is clear, though, that if you trust in Jesus, Jesus doesn't want you to worry. So it's good for you to take whatever steps necessary to deal with it. If you have a smaller problem with worry, again, I'm not a therapist, uh, but I can tell you a few steps available to anyone. Uh, they're available to anyone, and they may help. They help me. 
uh, you can pray. Please pray. Pray like you trust God to do what he promises to do. Pray until you trust God to do what he promises to do. Keep going back to God in prayer. And guys, I've seen God answer prayers. So keep praying until you see those answers yourself. And Jesus does, uh, a few chapters ago, tell people to be persistent in prayer. Keep going back to him. Keep going back to him. Uh, Another thing you can do is to learn to speak uh, truth to yourself. Uh, Worry is ultimately a lie that digs its way into your head that God is not in control of the situation. If you memorize Bible verses, say like verse 31 here, uh, which says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Uh, Or the other verse that we already memorized. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Uh, You can help fight worry by speaking truth to yourself. Uh, And I'll add that this truth, uh, the way that we know truth, uh, is by reading the book that God gave us. These are the words of his Holy Spirit written through trusted men throughout long period of time uh, with eternal significance so that he can help you learn to trust him. Another thing that you can do is to approach other people. That's why God has provided the church. Uh, Some time ago, I was in between jobs I was living fine enough. I had enough money to go about my daily needs. Uh, But then all of a sudden, one day, I had a tooth problem. And the problem, as it turned out, had a very, very expensive solution uh, that, for me, was impossible to handle. It was was more than what I had. It was more than double what I had uh, available to myself. Um, So I reached out to some friends, some brothers in Christ, Uh, with the object that they would pray for me. And they did. And then one of them suggested that I approach my church about their benevolence fund, a fund that I totally forgot about, which exists just to help get people through their time of need. And because my church uh, had faithfully given generously to help their brothers and sisters through their time of need, Um, after they put me through the process, they were able to cover the entire cost of my dental bill. I didn't even have to worry about it. And and my my friend's prayers were answered because God provided for me through the generous gifts of his people um, and because I have sought other people for help. This brings me to this last little section here, a little uh, practical instruction and a promise. Let me read it for you. It says, do not be afraid, little flock. I like that, little, little flock, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out 
a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus actually does have something for us to be worried about. I forgot to add verse 31 onto that, but I already read that for you. Seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you as well. He does have something for us to be worried about or rather to concern ourselves with. I did, up, I did look up this word um, uh, in the ESV. It's uh, be anxious. Here in the NIV, it's worry. Um, you can do this. Anybody can do this on BibleHub.com. You can go look at the interlinear and you can see um, the Greek word that corresponds with the English word. And you can click on it and it will show you all the places where it can be found. Um, in the Bible. And this word appears uh, 19 times in the New Testament, and most of the time it is uh, Jesus or another writer telling us not to be worried uh, about the stuff that comes on us in life. But there's a couple times uh, where it appears, and it tells us to worry or be concerned about something um, and it's to be concerned about other people. It's to be concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so the way that this word is used in the Bible, we're supposed to never worry about ourselves, but always worry about other people. And in this case, the concern that Jesus points us to, um, instead of worrying about our life on earth like the man in the parable, we're supposed to concern ourselves with God's kingdom. He says, seek his kingdom. Here in verse 31, and it's this section's equivalent of be rich toward God uh, from the section before. Uh, they both kind of mean the same thing. Um, if you are generous toward the things that God wants, uh, the things that God cares about, uh, then God promises that your basic needs will be provided for you and you won't have to worry about them. To do this sort of thing, uh, you can give to the church, you can give to charities, you can give to missions, uh, you can serve the church, uh, you can serve other people. Just basically learn what God wants. Again, learn who God is by reading his word, right? Learn what God cares about and then go support it. Seek his kingdom and all your needs will be given to you as well. What a great promise that is. It's a promise that I take to heart and I rely on every day. Listen, I know that groceries cost an arm and a leg right now. Some eggs, right? Some eggs. And, and gas and whatever else, right, in this post-COVID recession that we're coming into, I know it's tough. I think Jesus' message for some of you is to not worry just because money is tight. I know it seems like a hard thing to do, uh, but remember that everything belongs to God. Everything that you have already has been given to you by God. And everything that you will have will be given to you by God. And he promised to take care of and provide for his disciples. And he promises even more than that. 
He promises the blessings of the kingdom, eternal life, and wealth in heaven. And then here Jesus actually explicitly states one way to seek the kingdom by giving to the poor. Consistently throughout the Bible, God tells his people to take care of the poor. He does it throughout those first five books of the Bible. He does it in the Psalms. He does it in the prophets. Uh, He does it, Jesus does it when he comes. uh, And then the writers after Jesus tell the church to do it, take care of the poor. It's a theme. And then he condemns people when they oppress or ignore the poor. Just read uh, read Amos and you'll know what I'm talking about. It's all about uh, people who have oppressed the poor and therefore are bringing God's judgment down. Remember that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So it is worthwhile to sell your own luxuries in order to give to people in need. The early church was great at this. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Acts 2 through 5. There's this little section that is like the very first uh, introduction of the church uh, after the Holy Spirit comes. Um, the people there, they actually didn't sell everything at once. Right? They didn't go become Christians and then sell everything they had. But they did, whenever a need came up, somebody was willing to sell something that they had in order to provide for that need. Um, And they did this uh, so that uh, the Bible says nobody had any needs because everything was fulfilled by the brothers and sisters. I've been thinking this uh, about this a lot lately as I prepare to leave for the Middle East, um, thinking about all the things that I don't need to take with me that I could sell. Frankly, I think that I thought about this too late. Uh, Not that I can't do it, but that I should have done this years ago uh, with many possessions that I rarely use uh, or don't even use. Um, I even have some things that I do use uh, that I could give up uh, in order to help someone else. What do you have that you don't need? Or if you don't have that much in the way of possessions, what sort of time can you give to serve other people? Time is a, is a resource too. It's something that uh, some people have in abundance and others do not. It is by giving up our wealth, our efforts, our time here in this life that we provide purses for ourselves that will not wear out. So we exchange the things that will wear out for the things that won't a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near. Nobody can steal it because God's holding on to it. And no moth destroys. Jesus wants us to refocus. That's what both of these responses are about. Take your mind off of temporal things and put your mind on eternal things. This is really tough when you first try to start doing it. Because we've built up treasures on earth already uh, and we're holding on to them with a tight fist. Right? But it's as we start to give up things on earth 
that we're able to see where our lasting treasure lies. Right? The less you have here, and the more you have there, I'm not saying the less you have here, the more you have there, but the less you have here and the more you have there, the more ability you have to be focused on God's kingdom. That's why that's what Jesus means by where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In case you need more persuading, uh, I just want you to, we'll do a little imagination exercise right now. So close your eyes real quick um, and imagine an inch. I know you're like, Brian, that's really abstract. How do I picture an inch? So picture like a, a rope that's an inch long or picture a stretch of road that's an inch long. Okay. Now picture a mile. Extend that, that road out for a mile. And open your eyes. What is that inch compared with that mile? Nothing, right? It's tiny. When it comes to life, I'm not even comparing a small lifespan to a long one. I'm comparing mm, how long do you think that you'll live? Hopefully, at the very least, like 50. Okay, at the very, <laughs> at the very least, 50. Great. Let's compare 50 years to an eternity, right? Let's compare, the, the oldest people on earth get to be like 120. Let's compare 120 years to eternity. Com- compared to eternity, uh, the 50 and the 120 look the same, right? So put in the effort and refocus your life on treasure that doesn't fail or wear out. Because you've got a long time. If you believe in Jesus, you've got a long time ahead of you. You can't take it with you, sure. But you can make an investment. It's like investing in a high-yield account that has no risk at all. Um, and I'll stop there with the finance metaphor because I don't know anything else. <laughs> but imagine like a high you know, like... Uh, an account that benefits you with no risk at all, right? There's a guy named Jim Elliott. He's a famous missionary um, who gave his life as a martyr. He famously wrote in his journal before he died. Well, he wrote it in his journal before he died and then it became famous. A statement that goes like this. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He did that very thing. First he sold everything that he had to travel to Ecuador to introduce Jesus to people who had never heard the gospel before. Uh, And then when he got there, he paid with his life. No, you don't have to leave the country if God is not calling you to, if God is calling you to, you should listen. But brothers and sisters, I do ask you to ask God what you need to let go of on earth today. What is it that has a hold on you that you need to give up? What gift do you have 
that you can use to be rich toward God? What is this way? Remember, you're not earning eternal life. You already have eternal life because God has given you the kingdom. But what is this way that you can store up treasures for yourself that will not wear out? The stuff that you can take with you. The stuff the stuff that you will have forever. If you want wealth in heaven, if you want a richly blessed eternity, start thinking about it now. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, good Father, we trust in you to provide for us every day. We repeat to you the words of that song we sang earlier, Great is your faithfulness. There's no shadow of turning with thee. God, I come before you grateful that everything that I have has been provided for you and that I've never been wanting even when step has been hard. God, I pray that you will help me and help everyone here to loosen our grip on our stuff for this life, to loosen our grip on possessions, to stop worrying about things that you're in control of. God, we give this all to you and we repeat it again. We trust you with everything. And God, we will repeat it as often as we need to. God, we trust you. We trust in your faithfulness. We trust you to do what you have promised because you are God and we are not You love to give good gifts to us, your children, like a good father. God, help that to sink deep into our hearts so that every day we rely on you a little bit more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.